The message you are about to hear is from the stable of the Capstone Church Without Walls. Tonight we can to enjoy Jesus and we can to celebrate his goodness and faithfulness to his church. Tonight, one of the things I feel the Holy Spirit will bring to our understanding is I mean that the that hope of the world called the church. Now that's not my topic, but I just want to let you know that I mean we are the hope for the world. Now my topic is I think now like I said I'm very bad at topics, but I'll give one anyway. Okay, the future of gospel advance. So let's just talk about that. So it's a question really that I've been musing on and my wife and I have been really been talking about because it's important for us to mind the future of the gospel. It is the gospel that has given birth to us, that has brought us into the liberty we now have in Christ. And I really want you to please, friends, always reconsider and consider and celebrate what Jesus has done for you by saving your soul. Back in the days when I just gave my life to Jesus, one of the songs that trigger our faith and joy is when we begin to sing, I'm so glad I belong to Jesus. It's such an amazing thing. We, we, it's Jesus that has kept me till now. I really want to plead with you young people of this new generation. If it had been for the Lord who had been on my side, well, I won't be where I am today with what I have gone through and with what I am still going through. And every generation will have their own fair share of trouble. So if we had went through trouble in our generation, but Jesus saw us through, and in the midst of the persecution, it gives us joy, I guarantee you, young people, you're going to have your fair share of trials and temptations and troubles. May Jesus be your uncle by that time. And so I really want to say to you, please, don't allow the fad and the trend to, 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 to defocus you. Make sure your anchor holds on Christ Jesus, the solid rock. Especially in the days in which you live in, that things are really getting scary. But we know that in the midst of all this threat to the existence of the faith, there is still a hope in Christ. And so tonight I want to just bring you one or two words of encouragement well, from the Holy Spirit on the future of gospel advance. Amen. Let me quickly say uh, a couple of things that may be the question I, I want us to look at tonight, as the Lord permits me. Like I said, number one, we look at what's the future of the gospel advance looking like. And I like building conversations. I like asking questions, really, because it's when you have asked questions that you can get answers. And also, questions focus us, because a lot of things are actually great these days. So, one is, what is the future? We, I want to ask and answer that question. What is, the, what is the future of gospel advance looking like in our day? Number two, is evangelism, or what we call church planting, still needed today? Is church still needed today? Whether you call it church planting, whether you call it evangelism, because basically at the end of every evangelistic enterprise, what we want to do is we want to raise a crop of believers. And these believers need, will need to be discipled. And that's why we have groups, small groups where they are discipled. Call it Tree of Life, call it Men's Group, call it Women's Group, call it Zero Gravity. That actually is what is, they are meant to be discipling points where there is a close knit interaction. And then we scale them up into the larger church where we have, as a, where we have which we call the community. Okay? I know we love to call it church, capsule church, but it's actually a community. And in a community, you have love, you have fellowship, you have um, grace, you have instruction, you have mentoring. And so these things, I'm praying that it will exist in our church. And that is one of the reasons why church will forever be valid and needed. Because people, people need to be discipled. Praise the name of Jesus. And so we need to be ready and prayerfully believe God to spread the kingdom 
and plant churches. Amen. I really wish and pray like Moses prayed. I wish that all the people listening to me today are prophets and that they are church pastors. Praise the name of Jesus. That churches will spring up from this place. Amen. That, um, and I'm saying to you, if I ever get there, let me say right now. Actually, everywhere you go, whether you go to the United Kingdom, you, you migrate to the UK or the United States or, or, or Canada or wherever you go, you should plant a church where you go. Actually, that is the way. That is the way. If we are going to have a sustainable gospel, we need to plant churches everywhere. The Bible says that when the people were persecuted, everywhere they went, they planted churches. Now, how many of you know that uh, highly skilled migrant program, uh, green card, um, I want to go and do masters in the UK, uh, I want to go and practice medicine in the UK, I want to go and try and see how I can relocate to Canada. How many people know it's persecution? It's economic persecution. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It's economic persecution or educational persecution. Whichever way you want to look at it, okay? Or career persecution, is that correct? Okay. But everywhere the people went because they were persecuted, either because there was famine or because the, 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 the people tried to kill them, Everywhere they went, they planted churches. They are, they are gotten so filled and so passionate with what Jesus has given to them that they could not but share with other people. So everywhere they went, they planted churches. Everywhere they went. And this should be the spirit that guides the body of Christ. This should be the, the, the mindset of every single person listening to me today. That when you, wherever you find yourself in the earth, you're supposed to plant a church. Amen. You will hear in the book of Romans and the rest of Ephesians the church that meets in the home of Aquila and, 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 and whatever it is. The church that meets in the home of Paulinus. The church that meets, greet, the, greet those of the household of Stephanus. Greet those of this. So you saw church, church was everywhere. Amen. Because where people meet together, where two or three are gathered together, Jesus said, I'm in the midst of them. So I give you that as a fresh challenge. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> and that will be one of the ways in which the future of the gospel will be enhanced and ascertained if we continue to plant churches. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise God. So, no one should be able to say, I do not have answer to the world's question. Nobody here, no one who came into that meeting should be able to and say, I don't know. They are asking me to come in my place of work. Just buy that CD and listen to it and pick it up and you will just be a pastor in the marketplace. Is that correct? Because the world is full of people asking questions. And God has already given you answers from his word. Amen. Alright, just having said, having said that, <clears throat> I'm trying to say that if we are going to have, ensure the future of the gospel, we have to be involved in it. Amen. And um, the next, another question I want us to look at tonight is what can we use? What are the medium that we can use? What are the opportunities or the platforms that we, can, what we have that we can use? And I'm thinking, see, this is the age of technology, so <clears throat> I'm really going to really expect that everyone will be, I, I was going to say every young person, but I realize that old people are using technology, this technology thing more than young people, is that correct? Okay, so, I mean, technology is a very key thing, so families are now becoming digital families, praise the name of Jesus, smart families, Everybody's acting smart. Amen. You can't but be smart. As a matter of fact, you have no future in business if you can't go digital. Hello, people. Okay. Let me also say this. You have no future in church if you can't go digital. That is why for the last uh, 
since 2003 <clears throat> that the Lord began to show me the sign of what the future holds for the, for the gospel. Let us, let, us, let us examine some principles here on, as a church, what it means to actually have a sending, to be called, to be, to be sent. I'll read some scripture, but before that, let me just give you a little bit of introduction. I wrote something here. Every generation has a responsibility to redeem the well that the devil always seeks to stop. These wells of revelation, the revelation of our duty to continue to win souls. Okay? Satan, every generation tries to stop that. And I'll tell you, I'll show you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a case study of some amazing man okay, that lived in the 19th century to let you understand that a lot of things that happen right now, they're not new. Satan has always done the same thing, but we need to be ahead of him at all times. Praise God. Or how will we preach the gospel, or how will people preach the gospel except they were sent? Now, the, the, word, the Bible used a lot, the word sent a lot to explain what the mandate is and how it is meant to be done. And um, <clears throat> I'll look at that word sent a little bit tonight. But okay, let me, let me go on and, and just in case I don't get there. What it means when we say the word sent or the word apostello, which is in the Greek word apostello. Okay, I particularly like that one word apostello because it right there is the total description of what our assignment is. Okay, winning the lost, winning souls, preaching the gospel is an apostolic work. And uh, that, actually, you need to understand that God is sending you as an apostolic per people, praise the name of Jesus. You may not be an apostle by title, but your assignment is an apostolic assignment. Okay, because you are sent. Somebody say, I was sent. Alright, so that's why we need to have that sense of sending. That sense of being sent. So that we don't go to the labor market and just think about how to make money and how to rise through the rank. And then we get frustrated. Okay? If you go into the labor market, the marketplace as an apostle, with the thinking of an apostle, then you will know that God sent me here. And that kind of thinking is different than I'm just here to make quick money and jump out. So sometimes, when you do not clearly have an understanding of your purpose, or your mission. I like to use the word mission. So everyone who goes to work, every believer who goes to work is a missionary. You get what I'm saying? Alright, you are sent as a missionary. What does it mean to be a missionary? That word is not in the Bible, but it's a, Greek, it's a Latin word, mito, which is the interpretation of the Greek word apostello, which in English means one that is sent on a, on a, on a set apart and sent on a particular mission. So, every one of us need to know that when you go to that job, you are an apostle there in the marketplace. Okay? You represent Christ. Christ sends you there. When you go to that school, okay, you are an apostle there. So, because, of, because you know you are sent, you cannot do sharp practice. You cannot steal. You cannot go and give your body to lecture for marks. Because you know you are sent there. You get it? Is it possible that you fail? Yes, you fail. But what will you do? You reduce the cost. Hello, people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You don't go and say, okay, I will sell myself to the lecturer so that I can get marks. Apostles don't do that. Christ sent me here. And like I've been teaching you, I mean, even when we fail, okay, it's a process of success because failure is the womb of success. Okay. Because anytime we think, okay, I'm failing, and we just, no. An apostle doesn't think like that. 
an apostolic believer thinks I'm sent here for an assignment and I will finish this assignment. I may not understand the whole issue around it, but I'm sent here by God. So we need to have that sense of sending. Somebody here with me tonight? Okay, that because you have been set apart and you have been sent properly on that mission. So your workplace is a mission. Amen. Hallelujah. I see myself, for instance, many people, people ask me ask the question, okay, is Capstone a general church or what? I want to say to them, Capstone is a missional church. <laughs> What's a missional church? We recognize that God sent me to Yaba. So, whatever it is I've gone through, I've faced in this place, I recognize that I'm sent here. And if the Lord wants me to leave this place, he will tell me. The same way he implanted me here, he will say, son, your assignment here is finished, now move. And he will tell me where next to go. So I can't just go in a fancy and just say, okay, 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 no, no. I can't just promise. I have to know that God wants me here. So wherever you are, even where you live, you need to know that God sent you there. Praise the name of Jesus. I told you before how I was having a problem where my, I was playing with my wife and my kids. And, um, I mean, we had a lot of crisis, and I was saying to myself, I'm just going to go out of here, you know? And then I had the voice of the Lord saying to me and saying, I didn't, send, I didn't, I didn't tell you to leave this place. I see how work for you in this place. Why was I right run away? Because rent was getting higher and higher. It was getting prohibitive, and I wasn't getting any apartments. And time was going. But God said, I didn't tell you to leave this place. I'm not done with you here. Eventually, I understood it took about 10 years after that time for me to understand that actually what God was trying to say was that I have a mission for you in Yaba and you need to be here. So a missionary is always on the ground. So God sent me here as a missionary. Praise the name of Jesus. So the capstone is a missional church. We are on a mission. Amen. And that's why we did not copy what other people are doing in the Kurudu Axis of Lagos. Ekpe Axis of Lagos. Leki Axis, Apapa Axis, Badagri Axis, because the realities, the socioeconomics of each of these areas are different. Now, if you are sent to a place like this, where everything and around about you is a hub for education, then God must qualify you for that. So you can't even just go into any place because you feel it's, that's also why it doesn't matter how, what, how tough things have been to us and what we have gone through. You still see me smiling and jumping and excited because I can't go anywhere. Why? Somebody tell me why. I'm locked here. <laughs> can't go. I'm sent. I'm an apostle in this place. You think like that. You have to think like that. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> now, when you think like that, because that's how God wants you to think. All right, let's, 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 let's put a scripture behind this. The book of Romans chapter 10. The book of Romans chapter 10, verse 1 to 15. For those who are just joining us, we're considering the future of gospel advance. The future of gospel advance. I'm always very excited, and I kind of very such a brief privilege to be sharing fellowship with people like you who, have, who are connected and committed to Christ. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Especially these young people. I, I really always love to speak to young people. Because that tells me that the future is bright. Hello, people. <laughs> the future is bright. These things I'm teaching that you guys are playing with your phone, you're not hearing. These guys are hearing it. They're going to remember it 15, 20 years from now. Some of them are going to run churches. They're going to, they're going to plant churches. They're going to lead churches. They're going to marry to pastors. They're going to be apostles, prophets, teachers. They're going to live in Canada, United Kingdom, America. They're going to remember this. Are you guys going to remember this? At least I know people will remember this. <laughs> How do I know? Because we share the same name. And he wants me to look bad when I see him in the next 30 years. 
I said, Beulah, Beulah's act different. You're supposed to be an apostle. You know that, son. Yes, dad, I know that. That's why we are taking this territory for you. Pastor, we have opened 10 churches. They are called Beulah Ministries. <laughs> All right, so yeah, yes, and let you understand that. For me, every aspect of this work is intentional. When I teach, when I preach, I'm very intentional about it. I'm on a mission. I'm on an assignment. <laughs> In that, it's very important. All right, so you need to know. Do you know you're on a mission? Do you know you have been sent? Do you know you're on an assignment? If you have understanding of that, you will behave yourself. There are some things you will not do. There are some things you will not say. <laughs> That's the way you comport yourself. Because, you know, boy, I didn't come here by myself. <laughs> I'm repping Jesus here. <laughs> I rep Christ. Is that correct? Okay, the way, the way many of us do is like we rep ourselves. And it's very clear we rep ourselves. Hello, people. <laughs> if you rep Christ, we will think different. We will talk different. We will act different. We won't steal where we are stealing. Hello, people. Has anybody ever, st- ever caught Christ stealing before? Caught the hand of Jesus in the cookie jar? <laughs> so, 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 clearly tells you that we do not understand the purpose why we are where we are. And I want you to understand that that's where you are is where God has sent you. And so make the most of it. Romans chapter 10, please, from verse 1. I'm going to go to verse 15. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Can somebody say amen? amen? Now, this should be your desire too for your brethren. Where you work, your, your siblings, your neighbors, your brothers and sisters, your colleagues at work, you must believe God for them to be saved. One of the things we've also tried to do, I'm going to try to make it a little bit more interesting, is to get to pray for unbelievers, to get to pray for our brothers and sisters so that they can be saved. The greatest gift you can give to anybody is to preach Christ to them and to get them saved. It's the greatest deliverance. It's the greatest gift. In that, salvation is everything. Every good thing. In salvation is hope, help, healing, deliverance, joy, satisfaction, and expectation. So if you really want to bless someone, okay, don't think about giving them Christmas cake or birthday cake. Give them Jesus. Different ways, in whichever way. Pray, ask God, God, I want to just bless this person with a gift, an eternal gift. I'm going to give her Jesus. I'm going to give him Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Paul says, so I pray that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, and they sought to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So there is a God's righteousness. And that is what it means to be saved. A person is saved not by his own righteousness or his good works, by the, but by the finished work of Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and shed his blood for the redemption of our sins, by reason of that action, the righteousness of God became given to us. Now, for us to receive that righteousness, all we need to do is accept Jesus and receive him as Lord, and then that righteousness of God becomes imputed to us. Amen. That's how you get saved. It says, for, it says for Christ, verse 4 says, for Christ is the hand of the Lord, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So righteousness is, is universal. It can reach everyone. God's righteousness can be given to everyone. That's what he's trying to say. Moses describes it this way. In this way, the righteousness that is by law, the man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith, that is the righteousness that is by God, says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? For that is to bring Christ down. 
That means do not begin to ask questions. Okay, okay, let God come down. No. He says, or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. And he says, continue, he says, verse 8. But what does this say? It's talking about the righteousness that is in Christ. He says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. Okay, so you see mouth and heart connection. First, in your heart and then in your mouth. Praise God. What does it mean? He says, that is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. And he continues. That, this is the word of faith. This is what the word of faith is. What's the word of faith? What's the word of faith? That, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So that is the, that is the word of faith. The word of faith, the gospel that we preach, says with the heart, we believe that God raised Jesus from the grave. That means Jesus Christ died for me. He shed his blood for me. And he paid the price for my deliverance from eternal damnation. And then I confess. That is, I say it out to the whole world that I have received that provision that you gave for, made for me. And the Bible says, when you do that, you will be saved. So this says that, this already tells us how a person can be saved. That if a person needs, will be saved, he must first believe in his heart that Jesus Christ paid the price for his sin. And that the sin that he deserved, the death that he deserved to die, Jesus Christ died it. He paid the price. That Jesus Christ took his place. So when Jesus hung on the cross, I should have been the one there. Because cost be everyone who hangs on the tree. But thank God because Jesus Christ went to the cross for me so that the righteousness of God can come to me and the blessing of Abraham can come, become mine. Alright. Now the blessing of Abraham is righteousness. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. What's the blessing of Abraham? Righteousness, which is by faith. That's the blessing of Abraham. That we actually have our sins forgiven and that the righteousness of God has become ours. That is what it means to be blessed. And that is the father of all blessing. The father of all blessing is salvation through faith in Christ. That is the father of all blessing. If a person does not have faith in Christ, does not get saved, and has all the wealth in the world, and my wife and I were talking about that, if a man has all the things of the world and is not saved, he is the devil's meat. If a person has nothing, nothing, like, like, the, like Lazarus had nothing, but he gives his heart to Jesus and gets saved, he has everything. Because there is an end to all of this. There is a righteousness, there is a, there is a judgment that is coming. And we need to qualify ourselves not to be on the wrong part of that judgment. What guarantees that is faith in Christ. That's why the greatest blessing that you can have in your life is not that somebody dashed you 10 million naira or that you hit 30 billion in your, in your bank account, but that you know Jesus as Lord and Savior and that you have believed Him as Lord and He died for you and you have confessed Him as Lord. As the Lord. Bible says that qualifies you to be saved. Let's read again verse 10. For it is with your, with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So people are saying, how do I get saved? This is very simple. That's what it means. To be saved means with your heart you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sin, to take away your sin, and with your mouth you receive him and say, my Lord and Savior. You don't even need to come forward to say it. You can say it in the corner of your room. You can say it while you are behind your wheel. You can say it in your heart of crisis. You can say it anywhere you are. I believe in you, that you died for my sins. You took my place on the cross. 
and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and save me. Okay? Once you say that, something happens in the realm of the Spirit. God's righteousness gets downloaded into your spirit. And your sinful life is washed away. And the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and the mercy of God fills your spirit. So it's from that moment that you begin to have what we call the joy of salvation. Praise the name of Jesus. The people, the most joyful people on the earth are believers. Not because they have millionaire in the bank, but because they have the joy of the Lord. And I, that's why I get angry with preachers who are trying to replace money for salvation. <laughs> Ask Dangote or the richest people in the world. Money has never given anybody comfort. In fact, when you have too much of it, you begin to get afraid that you begin to suspect your neighbor, your driver, your megad. Is that correct? You have no money, you have no care in the world. Who wants to steal a ton thruster? <laughs> you will put it out in the rain, in the, in the open. You will not even think about it twice. <laughs> but the joy of the Lord, that's your strength. So please don't let's get it twisted. Okay? There's nothing in the Bible that says that you get joyful when you have more money in the bank. And I'm going to say this to all of you. We will not all have the same amount of money in the bank. But one thing I guarantee you is, for you, God will meet your need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. At every time you have a need in your life, God will meet it. Your need might be two million. My need may be two, two, two naira. God will meet two million naira need. He will meet two million two naira need. Need is need. What is better is God meets all the needs. So please don't let's try and look say, okay, I want to have 330 billion naira. I want to have that, okay? Right. Enjoy what God has given to you. Be content with God and follow God. Godliness and contentment is great gain. We don't hear that preach anymore. Godliness and contentment is great gain. Having food and raiment, let us there be content. Hello, people. Now, when we, when we preach like this, people say oh, that he's trying to preach poverty as a virtue. No, <laughs> I'm not trying to preach poverty. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep, keep, keep you away from greed and avarice. Because then, the love of money becomes the root of all evil. Because when you now begin to try to hustle and hustle and be like Sister Taiwo and also to be like her, okay, then you begin to say, why is God, why does God love her more than me? Why do I pray and God doesn't hear her? Do you know what prayer God has had for you? Because God has not given you what she has, you're saying God has not had you? Do you know what cross she's carrying in her house that she has not told you? And this lady doesn't tell anything. She will not tell you what cross she's carrying. You see the Gucci, you see the nice braids, you say, say ha, Lord, okay, let me do let me know, let me go. For, I don't know, I don't know why you guys are trying to bring your about of me tonight. But I'm trying to say, do not try to be like anybody else. Run your race, looking unto Jesus, the author, finish off your faith. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Let's run away from this gospel of greed that is taking over the world right now. Somebody's trying to take your money. And he's very good at it. <laughs> Hello, people. Okay. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never 
be put to shame. So once you put your trust in Jesus, you get saved. Verse 12, please. Verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him. What does he bless them with? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the blessing. The blessing that you need now is the blessing of salvation. The blessing of salvation. That's what you need. When you are saved, you have an assurance that however tough things may be, Jesus is still Lord. And he's still king. And he's still coming back again. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, when things get so rough for me, you know what I, my, my, my consolation is? I know that, okay, the world is on a precipice. This world is fast fading away. Things are going to get worse. And by the time everything shuts down, Christ will come and take us to himself. I know that. But in the midst of it, I need to keep, make sure that I kill myself to get the gospel moving. While I'm still, while I still have the opportunity. While I still have my breath. I have to preach this gospel everywhere I go. Through every means possible. Okay? So that at least I can be able to save some. Since Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So I need to shine everywhere I go. Since Jesus said, I am the salt of the earth. I need to make sure I save everywhere I go. Anyone who comes in contact with me must be a better person. That's even the reason why you get married first. Praise the name of Jesus. To sanctify your wife. I don't know how people get married and they are thinking is, I want a woman who will cook for me and I want a man who will buy everything for me. How do you think like that? That's a that's devil thinking. <laughs> your reason for marriage is you look at somebody and you say, I'm coming to your life and I'm going to be light and I'm going to be salt. And I'm not going to give up. Praise God. So let him show you a way. And say, we're not divorced. All our friends are divorced. You say, you are wrong. I have, I have held you. There is no going anywhere. It's me and you for the rest of our life. Where does divorce come in that? In that? So you understand that marriage, when you marry for a purpose, okay, both of us are going to raise up a family that will be an example in the earth. Which part of it? Which part of it does, does divorce come in? How do you begin to meditate on divorce? As an, alternative, as an option when you are sent to somebody did you, were you sent to them to destroy their life don't you know that's what divorce does divorce destroys somebody's life a woman comes to your life, she gives you her whole life and at the end of the day you break her heart you divorce her, what have you done, have you shown her Christ or have you shown the devil and I see people saying believers are divorcing pastor, it was your own self, we know churches in this city who the pastors have divorced and married twice I said eh hey. Go and ask their wives that they divorced or their husband that they divorced. They cost them every day. I know one of them, one particular one of them in this city who divorced and divorced again and now got tried to get married to this and this and this other lady and messed up the lady's life. The lady told me, he said, while I was with him, oh, he stunted my life, stunted my growth, abused me, held me down. But now, thank God, I left him. All craziness, people, preachers are doing crazy things, leaving their wives, leaving their husbands, including Christian ladies, because we used to think it was Christian men that are doing homo. Christian ladies now are in their husbands, they will not sleep without, they will be sleeping with driver, sleeping with church members. Christian ladies, ministers' wives, 
craziness all over the place. That is not Christianity. That's satanism. In church. That's not Christianity. I don't care who is doing it. It's not Christ. It does not represent Christ. It is not like. Neither is it salt. <laughs> Hello people. So you better think again. What is the reason why you are going to that business? Why do you want to get married? Think again. Why go into that job? Think again. Why do you want to live in that neighborhood? Think. Does are you going there because you feel a sense of sending? If you understand that you are sent as a businessman, you do everything to please your customer. You give them the best of services. Is that correct? Because you know you are sent. Hello? Alright, let me run on this. Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And then I'll just... Um, and I'll, I'll, Once I read the scripture, I'll look at the life of that person I said I was going to talk about before we close the meeting. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, please. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so he's ready to give it to them. Verse 19. Verse 19, please. Therefore, so he says this, Therefore, go and make... Someone say go. And I've told you this before. I've been teaching this for a while now. Go means go. It doesn't mean stay. Go means travel. Is a word that means traverse. Don't stay in one place. Travel. Travel. Travel in your thinking. Be innovative. Be creative. Travel, travel in your thinking. Travel. Be no, be niche, take initiatives. Okay? Plus, take, move your step forward. Don't stay at home. Don't stay in the Capstone Church alone. Go out. Go into your, where you work. Go into the highways and the byways. Go into the place where you do business. Interface with everybody. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations is the word ethnos. I'm trying to build something. I'm trying to build a campaign, which I call ethnos. Well, I want to, I just, I, I like using branding. Ethnos. Ethnos means people groups. All right. Now, every single person here listening to me today has a people group to which you belong. It can be a sports people group. People who you share common interests. It might be common interest in sports. It might be common interest in games. It might be common interest as a neighborhood. It might be common interest in profession. It might be you have a group of lawyers. It might be a group of engineers. It might be a group of whatever it is your profession is. You share common interests. That is your ethnos. That is the place to which you have been sent by God. Many times people think that, okay, now when I come to church, then I'll, I'll preach. I'll be a believer. But when I go into the marketplace, then they don't know me. No, they are supposed to know you. That is your ethnos. So when Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples, that means go and make them look like you. Now, the question I ask is, how good are you? How responsible are you? Okay? You can't be living in sin and then go and make people like you. You have to be like Christ and then you can make them be like you. Is that correct? Which means that when you go to work tomorrow, you have to ask yourself, am I like Christ? Am I representing Christ in school? Because that's, that's very important. Because your mandate is very clear. Go and make people, people groups, nations, ethnos, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptizing them there means to immerse their mentality. 
is the word that means to immerse. So you are supposed to teach them what it means to be like Christ. In word, in deed, in action, in disposition. So everyone who comes in contact with you ought to be able to say, wow, this person is a believer. I read something about Christy here, about Christy. Somebody posted something. I saw something somebody posted on Instagram. I don't know whether you have seen it. Put a picture of Christy, and I'm saying this to her here, and say, this is a perfect example of what a Christian is. And that's a powerful, that's a powerful testimony. How many people know that if she was a devil representative, that's how I'll have seen it too. The person will have put it on the social media. This person is an elder in the Capstone Church. If you hear Capstone Church, don't go there. <laughs> it wasn't me that was there. I don't even know who this person is. So, it's her that they wrote about her. Praise the name of Jesus. Can they write the same about you? So I don't know where you have been, but you are shining light there. Let that light continue to shine. I hope they are writing the same about you too. I'm just trying to say to you that the greatest recommendation you can have is not that you are the most brilliant people in the world, world, but that you are a total representative of what a Christian young man ought to be. That's powerful. When you have that testimonial, people will follow you everywhere. Because that's what you are going to be using to immerse their mentality in the nature of Christ. And that is what Christ sent us to do. Praise the name of Jesus. Anybody here listen to me? Look at verse 20. So you, it says, and then you teach them. So you say, by the time you live out before them the lifestyle, then you now begin to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That means that you know what Christ has commanded you. Okay? Do not lie. Do not steal. Okay? Walk in love. Forgive other people. You know, all these things that Jesus has taught us. Love is a principal thing. And then you begin now to teach them how to love. But you know, you are, you are first exhibited that love. Hello, people? And now you can now begin to teach them. Where the problem is, is people want to teach other people in their workplace, in their what have you. You hear noise in the neighborhood. Hey, what you call me? Oh, he has finished me, he has killed me. Oh. Your neighbor is fighting his wife or fighting his husband. A husband. You went to knock on their door. They open the door to you. The moment they see you, they say, what are you looking for? You say, I've come to settle quarrel. They say, you that we hear you beat each other every night. Is it because we have not decided, we decided to, to mind our own business? What does that tell you? Eh? That means you have not been the representative of Christ. You have not been light and you have not been salt. Okay, And so you cannot teach them. And that's why you cannot even invite them to Jesus. That's why you cannot even preach the gospel to them. How will you suddenly begin to preach Jesus to them when you have slept with them? How will you suddenly begin to preach Jesus to them when they have caught your hand in the cookie jar? How will you suddenly begin to preach Jesus to them when they know that you and them were the ones that brought in what that thing students bring to example under their skirts? Eh? Chips. Plantain chips. <laughs> Wenga, how do you even know that? Sorry, let me ask this young people because Wenga, you are as old as myself. What? What do you call it now? Eh? It's chips. It's still chips. All right. Say, say, young ones say it's still chips. So how do you, how do you, chips carrying believer? You're a chips carrying believer, <laughs> and, then, and then you show up as soon as say, eh, call it, say, which, which church? First of all, 
You that carry the keys and you still failed, they'll tell you. You carry the keys without you, you still failed. You can't even copy what you carried inside. <laughs> so you get it. So it behoves us to live in agreement with God's will, to live holy, to live pure, to maintain a righteous position in Christ. Then you can teach them. Observe all Jesus has commanded us. Back in those days, they used to mock us. I wish we could have those days back again. When they see that you go to a church and are a believer, they say things like, you are S-U. They used to say, ah, that one, that one, ah, she's deeper life, she's deeper, deeper. Today, it breaks my heart. That when we are trying to get people to be employed, we can't even recommend church people. In those days, if you are looking for a job and you take somebody from the Capstone Church and you recommend them, ah, they'll go to bed, they'll say, Look, just keep our account. We know everything will be safe. Today, to my shame and to yours too, I cannot recommend any of you. Why? Why? Because I don't know what will hit your brain before between now, between here and there. That will make you go and make me look bad. And then they will say, Ah, <laughs> Pastor Tokes, <laughs> the person you sent to us. <laughs> ah, hey. And when you begin to hear, Ah, hey, you are t- the other to say to you is that, How did we get here? We'll stop being light and being soft. Okay? And we need to get that back because until we are radiating this nature of Christ and teaching the world, the nations, what it is to be like Christ, we can't bring we can't be sure of the future of the gospel. You know, don't forget I'm teaching about the future of the gospel. So if we want the gospel secured, the future of the gospel secured, and we don't want the gospel to go into extinction, it's in your hand and my hand. We have to go back to God and repent of our sinful life, of our life of self-indulgence, and ask God to fill us afresh with His purity and His nature. It's so scary that people, when you talk about be, keep your virginity, live holy. Boys, young men, don't sleep with young women. Young men, don't sleep with them. They find it very, it sounds strange to people. In those days, if you sat where a sister sits, you, re- you ask for repentance. Do you know how I'm saying? What I'm saying? <clears throat> if I if my wife sits from that from where she is right now, and I go and sit there, that's fine. In those days, hmm, if Christy sits down, sits stand up from a place, and I go and sit down there, with, my heart smites me. I mean, it was that extreme holiness. Now we are not left the extreme holiness to what extreme in such a way that now people now say that uh, what did we do? We slept, but, we, but it is not sin because we use condom. We didn't sleep skin to skin, so we have not committed any sin. We kiss passionately, but we didn't have sex. I mean, how can we say I've sinned when I'm masturbating myself? I'm still a virgin, I'm masturbating myself, and you say that is sin. 
and these people are the people that will start jump, jump up and, start, and serve as choir or worship team or usher or counselor or whatever it is. You know they even fear. Don't you know there are angels watching? And that God's still a consuming fire last time I checked. So, so now I'm trying to say to you the things that could be hindrances to the gospel spreading. If we do not repent from our ways, change our ways, okay, and go back to God in humble repentance, okay, we cannot preach this gospel. And if this gospel is not preached by mankind, then the end will not come. Because this gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a witness unto all the ethnos. And then the end will come. That's what Jesus said. So it's our call. It's my call as well as mine. As, your, as, as is yours. To live holy so that we can represent Christ. Anybody here with me, please? Are you following me? And that's you to do. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me, let me bring this ship down. Amen. So we have, in this scripture, we have the mandate. Go and make disciples. We have the target, the nations. Is that right? Where are the nations? Who can tell me? Where are the nations? Where? Where you walk. Where you live. Your friends, your, 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 your group of sports enthusiasts. Or your Baka loyalists. Or Manu loyalists. Those are your ethnos. Praise the name of Jesus. Or whatever your group is. Okay? What is the tenure? What is the tenure of the gospel? Jesus said, till the end of age. Which basically means it's supposed to be transgenerational. People say, and I, that brings me to the, the last point I want to talk about. People say, we, we do not need to preach the gospel now anymore. Because, I mean, there are churches everywhere. I say, no. They may, you may have a lot of churches in Lagos or in your part of Lagos, but you need to cross over to Shagamu. You will see that all you have there are herbalists who are printing posters like churches. Have billboards like churches. Just across there, or the remo remo there. Almost every other house is a herbalist shop. That's where they take all the ritual killings. That's where they take place. So somebody from Remo ought to be able to say, I'm going to invade this place, spend some time fasting and prayer with a group of prayer warriors. We are going to walk this city, the length and breadth of it, and pray for five days, five nights, and take authority about the spirit and dispose of the power of darkness in this place. And then we will go door to door and just preach to them and just teach them about, tell them about Jesus and then release the power of God so that all those people, Abelis, can begin to repent and receive Jesus or they get blinded. How many people know that if, a, if one Abelis, one of the toughest Abelis in that city who is trying to judge a believer gets blind and he asks the believer to come and pray for him, how many people will, will get saved? That's what happened to Elamite the sorcerer. When the apostles got into the city, they were preaching the gospel. This guy withstood them. The scripture says that they blinded him. And when he saw the power of God was more than his own demonic power, he bowed to the name of Jesus. And he became a believer. He became a follower of Philip. Acts chapter 8. So we need to do to use different platforms to demonstrate the power of God. There are some people, there are some systems that can answer to intellectual engagement. Like Paul will interact with the Areopagus. And he will speak to them in philosophy. He will reason with philosophers. But there are some places where all he needed to do was demonstrate the raw power of God. Because except this pussy science are one, they will not believe. Hello, people? So, what we need to do, we need to, we need to settle it in our heart. 
that in a place wherever we go to that our education is to be used, we will use it to philosophize and reason intellectually. But wherever we go, and we need not education but the manifestation of the power of God, we will release it. But one thing, one thing we have to decide and conclude on is whether we are using our intellectual capacity or we are releasing the anointing of the Holy Spirit through signs and wonders, we just want to get people saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Is that correct? Do I have a witness here tonight? That brings me to this. You have to continue to equip yourself in the word of God and in prayer. As a matter of fact, every believer, what is sought, ought to be able to say, I will take out a time in a month to pray and fast for my industry, or for my people group, or for my society, or for my friends, or for my neighbors. One of the things we try to do, for instance, is to say, bring all the names of people you are trying to believe in God to get saved. Sadly, you don't even desire for anybody to get saved. Because if not, well, I've, I've had a long list of people we are praying for. They are not here. I don't even have any list. They have not even given me one name that you want saved. Does it mean that all your siblings are saved? Does it mean that all your colleagues at work are saved? Does it mean that all your neighbors are saved? Does it mean that all your colleagues at school are saved? Does it mean that everybody who is your friend is saved? If they are not, then why don't we have their names being prayed for? But the reason is, you don't even know that your mandate extends to them. That that is the nation to which you have been sent. And so you have to deploy your, yourself, deploy your thinking, deploy your mentality in that regard. Because you are sent, you are an apostle. What do I say you are? What do I say you are? One more time, what do I say you are? Forget apostles by so call cards. Anybody can be an apostle by a call card. This is my business card, Apostle Tokumbo Johnson. That's not what makes you an apostle. What makes you an apostle is, Paul says, manifestation of ministry. The seal of my apostleship. If many of you here are getting more souls saved and bringing them to church. I, I, I was asking Kufri yesterday. I said, Kufri, I had. I showed, I showed Kufri this lady's picture. Hey, you. Yes, you. I showed Kufri. I said, I said, Kufri, I heard that this lady, you know her. I said, yes, she's my cousin. I said, what a, I brought her to church. And that's like one, two, three people that Kufri has brought to church. If I cannot boast of anyone, who is the more apostle? Me or Kufre? Who bears the title of apostle? Me. Who does the work of an apostle? So in heaven, who did they recognize apostle? They what about me? Support striker. <laughs> title carrying, title carrying apostle. So that's why I have to begin to pray and say, Father. Let no Kufre take my reward. Because look, everywhere I turn to is the Kufre. Kufre brought his cousin, brought his uh, this, brought that. Praise <laughs> And I want you to understand that this is how heaven will be recording against you. Who did you bring? Who did you find? Who did you talk to? How many of your cousins have you spoken to? How many of your colleagues have you invited to Zero Gravity Program? Who have you spoken to about men's conference? Who have you invited to Sunday service? Who did you take the time to go and carry against your own convenience to make sure you bring them to church and take them back? This is how you ensure that the future of the gospel is secured. Amen, people. And let me tell you this. I was going to talk to you about um, 
William Carey, but that's that's part part of the thing he said. They told William Carey. William Carey is a, is, is called is actually the one they call the father of modern missions, a British man, a Baptist. His friends told him in the Baptist church, a particular sect of Baptist, they call them the particular particular Baptist church. Their thing, their teaching was Jesus Christ. That people, the only people that can be saved are select people that can be saved. Something came over William Carey said that cannot be true. Jesus could not come have come and save some some few people. So he decided that look, I'm British man, successful British man, okay, but I recognize that there are other people all over the world that needs to be saved. So he decided to travel to India, and he and he began to preach, began to plant church in India, and he began to do the work. He eventually died there in India, but he did not. But not until he has planted a great strong church presence and started the first degree awarded university called the Sempora University in India. The first degree awarding university in India was founded by William Carey. But in England, his friends told him, if God wants to save the unbelievers, he will send somebody else. He said, no, that cannot be true. What this Bible says is, go preach the gospel to every creature. Go to every nation. Make disciples of every nation. Every nation includes those people who have not heard well, not had the gospel, including those barbaric Indians. And so I'm going to them. He lived among them and died there. But he gave them the gospel, planted the Baptist principle there, and planted the first ever degree award university in India. And then he could breathe his last and die. So we need to understand that wherever you find yourself, what are you depositing in society? What are you putting here? And his friends told him it's not possible. They told him, why, why bother yourself? And he told them, no, that's not true. And that should be our mentality. We have to know that this gospel must be preached and that it is transgenerational. I'm praying, I'm believing God, and I'm teaching this because I don't want the gospel to go into extinction after me. I don't want this to be the last church that will be planted by anybody. I'm growing old. I'm 53. A couple of years or thereabout, they will say, well, Pastor Talks, you can't even stop for too long again, or you can't, whatever it is. I mean, make room for some people. May it not be that after I have done this, this will just be the end. There will be no churches being raised among our children. That nobody, may it not be that nobody will be willing to plant churches and go and, and plant churches and do ministry and raise a new consciousness of Christ. May not, that's why I'm teaching this. The limits are broken. You have to pray the gospel. You have to go and make disciples of all nations. It is your job to do. It is your assignment. God will have to speak to you about your method. Your method will be different from mine. In the next 15 years, about, the whole life of ministry will be changed, will be different. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's somebody, somebody I was chatting on yesterday. I said, you missed church on Sunday. You missed church. I said, Pastor, I didn't miss church. I was online. And that's true. Is that correct? That's true. Another person spoke to me. I said, Pastor, you know, this is, I, I've, been, I've been following your train. I said, I don't, I don't see you on Wednesday. He said, Pastor, I've been following you. He said, come on, let me show you. And he began and took me to the archive. of He began to show me. I said, oh, we? Yes, I'm talking about you. You are hearing me right now. That person is hearing me right now. He's not here physically. Now, so church is going virtual. But we thank God that we are able to capture the reality of the demand of church life digitally right now. 
by the time probably next 20 years 30 years probably it will just be by teleportation i don't know how it will be for those of you young people maybe it will be just be a chip maybe it just be a chip or maybe it'll just be alexa show me church <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> but whatever it is that is the demand of the gospel in the next 20 30 years i pray you'll be there relevance effective preaching christ and, pre- and representing him can we bow our eyes and pray tonight and so father this evening we just say you own us you own us you own us whatever it is we need to know to do to make your name glorious and to keep the gospel going forward please teach us will you pray that with me tonight our mandate remains to combat the Edens. Lord, as we use different methods, whether it's talk or preaching, or our family life, or our work, or ministry, or our lifestyle, or our community, or whatever we, call, whatever we call mission work, mission agency, whether you want to go and start a mission in Togo, or in Uganda, or in Canada, or whatever, but Lord, whatever it is that we have seen as a method, bless it, Father, and give us zeal to do it. And give us passion to follow it through. So that in our day, in our generation, the gospel will not go into extinction. Why don't you pray that with me for a moment? Why don't you pray that for Young people, I want you to pray that with me. I don't know what the challenge will be like in the next 30 years when you become like my age. If Jesus does not come, has not come, a lot will have changed. Because things change so fast today. But whichever way, whatever changes, we want to be effective. Whatever changes... We want to be accurate. We want to be in the will of God. We want to keep pushing this gospel forward. So that under our watch, the gospel is preached as a witness to all the nations. Lord Almighty, we ask God, use our work. Help us to see that our work is a ministry. That our marriage is a ministry. That our lifestyle is a ministry. Help us to see that our outreach is a ministry. That our career is a ministry. That how we relate with people, our friends, is an interface for gospel. Let everything we do, Father, preach the gospel. We thank you. No wastage in our life right now. Let our money preach the gospel. Our money, our investment, everything we do, everything we say, to the glory of your name. Amen. We hope you heard the voice of the Lord through the message that you just heard. For further inquiries about other helpful resources and counseling, please visit us at the Capstone Church Without Walls or call 080-2318-2030. You can email helpdesk at thecapstoneonline.com. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you indeed.